Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm Genesis, and back with me yet again is lover of bad jokes, Toasty. i got a quick question for you. Why don't vampires like living in Africa? Because they bless the rains down in Africa. I've heard that one before. Also, I can't I can't believe you're slandering me on our show. Saying I love I do not. I hate bad jokes. I hate them. I know. That one is not a bad joke though. I do thoroughly enjoy that one. I think it's pretty good. It's pretty All right. good. Any anything that involves Africa by Toto. And vampires. True. So well, not everything, including vampires, is good though. I'll give you that. Is good. Good chunk is really good, but not everything. So. Oh, and I know you don't love bad jokes, but you know, it's all good. Ah. But there was a reason for the question, and we will get to that in just a few minutes. And especially since I don't have anything from the Scream Sheets. Uh, nothing new came out this week, and I don't think we misread any information last week. So I think we can just dive right into our topic for today. And we are blessing the space down in Africa as we move across the continents, uh, explaining all the cyberpunk lore that we know about the different parts of the world, we are going to head south from last week's Euro Theater and talk about Africa. Take it away. Yeah, so just to start off with a, a bit of a 
I guess a preface here. Um, we don't actually know a ton about Africa, Africa. Um, it's fun, just a bunch of little bits and pieces here. And of course, because Cyberpunk Red is still fairly new, um, we haven't gotten a whole lot about it. There's like two paragraphs in the Red Core book about them, and half the information in the second paragraph was already stated was stated in the first paragraph so um not a whole lot there but uh i guess to start uh the little bit of information that we talked about before um was that new africa had been reborn by the fourth corporate war as a space dominant nation being unified by the european nations of Euro- of the euro theater the high rider nation had formed declaring their sovereignty and space control from the rest of the world due to the most due to most space workers, spaceports and construction areas being on African soil or otherwise African related. And we do have a little bit more from the 2020 core book on what was happening in Africa. And it states that from the bloodbaths of Cape town, New Africa emerged as a fractured continent of warring countries under a bewildering array of dictators, democracies, and socialist states. Eventually, as the Euro nations negotiated with Tanzania to, re- to build the Kilimanjaro mass driver, many African nations began to see their place in the 21st century. Bargaining manpower, raw materials, and valuable land on the critical equatorial orbital belt, the African states established their foothold in space. Nearly one-third of space construction workers are African. Technology has joined Africa under one government, and the last of the petty dictators and warlords as falling beneath the lure of the stars. And we do get a little bit more from the Eurosource source book. Whatever New Africa may say, North Africa is only notionally under its control. The half that doesn't glow in the dark starves. People flock to whomever promises hope. Charismatic leaders, revolutionary movements and the corporations that draw some of their most devoted adherents from NAF and use it as one big corporate war zone. Seemed like, seemed like Maya had a little bit to say about that one, too. So Maya loves to interject her thoughts and feelings. <laughs> and um, for those of you who don't know, Maya is my cat. She's about four years old and loves to yell. She is one of the loudest cats I have ever owned. And uh, moving uh, to the Cyberpunk Red Core book. Uh, Once a fractured continent of feuding countries under a, a bewildering array of dictators, democracies, and socialist states, the new and united Africa was reborn as the many nations of Central Africa banded together to negotiate with the Euro nations who sought to build the Kilimanjaro mass driver. As the prominence of the Central African states grew, other nations across the continent joined this Pan-African Alliance. The Pan-African Alliance established the strongest of all the footholds in space. Nearly one-third of all space construction workers were African, 
and the majority of spaceport facilities and construction areas were built on African soil. The resulting population evolved into a national group called the High Riders, a space-based high-tech society linked by pan-African roots and a determination never to be victims of colonial oppression again. Declaring their independence during the war and enforcing it with commandeered orbital weapons, the High Rider Assembly is carefully neutral in the time of the Red, ready to deal with all sides as long as their sovereignty and control of space is respected. The war barely touched the rising new cities of Africa, who were well protected by the killsats and deltas of their High Rider relatives. Several cities in Africa count among the most futuristic and advanced habitations on the planet, and their star-scraping buildings shaped from orbital titanium and open parks sweeping around the busy streets. Africa's like decked the, decked the fuck out now. Yeah. Sick. Can you imagine that, though? It's like, like, you see that? You know what? That little country over there in Africa, we're going to go invade that. And they're just like... They they just like look up and there's just a fucking satellite just pointed out and they're like ah never mind. Well, that and I love the phrasing like we have skyscrapers now because when they were first built it, they looked to be so tall that they scraped the very sky itself. Now we got star scraping buildings like <laughs> that's like Burj Khalifa level. Yeah. Honestly, this sounds like a fucking sounds like a insane setting for for like a campaign. You do a uh, cyberpunk game or whatever, like do do it a new. That sounds that sounds sick. Honestly, it does. Hmm. Well, hopefully we do. Uh, I'm I'm sure we will be getting more information as they release more red source books and stuff. Um, as like I said, fairly new system. We don't have a whole lot yet. But I'm sure we will. Um, and it looks like they've already put in a lot of like thought into like where they're at now compared to what they like, um, how they used to be. Mm-hmm. So because they're no longer struggling, they are thriving from the sounds of it. So. Oh yeah, um, Artelsorian. I joined one of their discords. And the, like every week they're putting out like it's a very, it's a small thing, but every week they put out a PDF with at least like a couple new items to add or maybe a tweak to a gameplay mechanic, things like that for Red. And it's fun just to like kind of read through it all and see what's coming out next. It's awesome. I need to join one of these then. I'm not I'm not part of this, but that sounds exciting. I will send you a link uh, in our Discord, and uh, maybe I'll include it in the show notes, because uh, they've publicly posted it on Twitter, so mm. then I feel it's okay to promote their Discord, get more people in there and playing the OGs, the TTRPGs, and the newest inventions that they're coming out with. Mm. Uh and if it's not okay, Jay Gray yell at us at the Discord. Yell us, yell at us in the robots Discord. Yep, Jay <laughs> uh, he's actually one of the main guys running that Discord. Like he's an admin in there and everything, and he's like, yeah, he, he, like he's runs doing... so much. I mean, he's the dude's like 
honestly one of the I feel like one of the faces at this point. Like he manages all the stuff, all the social medias and whatnot. Even hops in occasionally to tell us fun stuff or whatever in in the robots Discord because he's over there too. So cool, yeah. cool dude, cool dude. It's very cool. Uh, it's a little early, but let's head to the mid break and then we'll come back and talk more about the high riders. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the middle of the show, where we talk about the show and not the lore. Uh, we want to give a huge, major shout out to all 15 of our Cyberpunk Lorecast patrons. We appreciate you oh so very, very much. Uh, so, thanks for sticking around, and we will see uh, our Tier 4 and higher patrons here next week, when we discuss i'm not sure yet i don't think we've talked about it uh maybe we can discuss the new phantom liberty um expansion trailer that came out because we haven't talked to our patrons since um the last time that we talked about it was kind of like predictions and now that we know a little bit more maybe we can go over that info or we can talk about something completely different maybe you want to know Ooh, maybe we could pose the question, what country would you want to live in and why? Well, maybe. Throw your ideas in the Robots Radio Discord in the Cyberpunk Lorecast channel, and we will figure out what we will talk about. And if you do join us on the Patreon, uh, if we hit the goal of $250 a month, we will put a vote up. If we are going to do a full episode with an accent or if we or vote to say that we never attempt an accent again, it's up to you once we hit that goal. I'd also like to remind people that our code is still active on MetallicDiceGames.com. At checkout, use the code CPLC, Cyberpunk lore cast uh for 10 percent off of your entire order so heck yeah i love my dice i have a huge bag of them now and i play with my rubber d20 all the time because it's super bouncy and i like it it's fun hey at least now if i drop my d4 it's not gonna act like a freaking caltrop and stab me in the foot because it's bendy it's smushy there D4s are not fun. 
but I do know what is fun. Let's get back into the show and we will talk about going up into space and what it's like to live up there. All right, the High Riders. So now we have left Earth and we live up in space. And these High Riders are humans that were either born in space or spend most of their working lives up there. They tend to be highly intelligent and well-educated, as well as fast-reacting and level-headed. The high level of multilingual High Riders led to the creation of their own special orbital version of street slang called the word. The dialect is composed of mostly various African dialects with a peppering of French, German, and Japanese components. Like other dialects in the cyberpunk universe, the high riders make use of common slang. I'm trying to figure out what that would sound like because African dialects, a majority, but then peppering in French I was like, okay. Then adding German, which brings like a little bit of a, at least to American sounding ears, a harsher tone. And then Japanese, which just seems so different than all the other languages. It's kind of intense to think of what that mishmash would sound like. No clue, honestly. That just sounds, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot, but I guess, you know, they're all multilingual, so they... They understand. Yeah. Uh, the High Riders being born in space, they commonly exhibit traits and genetic adaptations to the zero G, low air pressure, and radiation environment of space. They tend to be slightly weaker than surface dwelling humans due to the zero G environment, though tremendous stamina and determination helps make up for this due in large part to the Pan-African negotiations with the EEC aimed at building an orbital workforce for the ESA. The orbital gene pool consists mainly of African DNA. I mean, if you think about it, all life came from somewhere. Most people say Africa, so technically... All of the gene pool consists of African DNA. I took that 23andMe test a couple years back, and I'm like 3% sub-Saharan. So, I've got it in my background. I wonder... I've never taken one of those tests. Oh, be curious so to know. interesting. I'm like, be, uh, I got a mesh. I know I got a cluster of things in there, because I'm, I'm two different types of native american as well as irish and italian and who really knows what else so yeah um i've got a lot of irish welsh english and then a lot of native central american okay i don't and spanish and portuguese I think I don't know what what part I have. I haven't done. I can't remember the stuff I learned about Native Americans in school. So uh, I don't remember. I don't know what part, like where it was located or whatever, because I got. Funnily enough, um, 
two uh two different tribes that don't like each other, but the Blackfoot and Cherokee mm-hmm. have both of that. So but I don't know where that was quite at. I think Blackfoot's like southern, right? Oh, yeah, no, when I meant Central American, I meant like actual like El Salvadorian native. Oh, yeah, I probably should have done that. My bad. I said Central Native American, and I just for some reason I was like, okay, the center part of oh. the, not yeah, that makes fucking sense, right? Cool. Never mind. Wait, would that uh, mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. It's like, would that make you like Mayan or like Aztec or something? Is that No, is... not that far back. Okay. Um, because uh it'd be cool <laughs> it would be i mean i actually don't know i know that it's my uh mom's mom was born and raised in el salvador and like she has generations before her that have been in that area um and then my grandpa came from spain to el salvador when he was like nine or ten and so then he grew up there okay so but i mean we're learning about jen and toasty culture maybe uh, yeah, we yeah. Go back to the high riders <laughs> yeah yeah it's it, i mean we're due for at least a tangent right it's usually how it goes uh so yeah of course um moving on to the culture of the high riders um it usually in, or it incorporates rituals and rites as well as their own legends and mythology based from original African folklore. Over time, influence of influences of the adopted cultures of Asia and Europe had their effect on the society. They told stories and had an extensive catalog of tales based on life in space, or as it was referred to in these tales, the dark. These stories had a wide influence across the culture from the working class technicians all the way to the upper echelons of the society or the managerial. High riders are usually structured into close-knit units or tribes known as work groups. These work groups would go to bat for any individual that experienced issues with other high riders. Essentially very close-knit and... uh, yeah, like familial units, sort of, or, or this is the, the impression I'm getting from it. Um, life aboard space stations and vessels is often crowded. The lack of available space leads to a few issues that are principally dealt with by social convention. For example, the taboo of nudity often observed in surface societies does not exist, though a degree of dignity is expected to be afforded to those in states of undress. As might be as might be expected, it is rude to stare. Given the inherent lack of space, they are also often lightly burdened. Trinkets and personal items close to the heart are often items that bear significance and use, such as rad detectors, flasks, and respirators. Uh, the O'Neill Wars, pinnacled by the Seven Hour War, had a significant impact on high rider society. Having left a wake of anger and distrust, high riders are often highly suspicious of strangers and give little to no quarter around stations, especially to unidentified craft. So, they don't, they don't give a they don't give a fuck. Just blow them out of the sky. Yeah. 
don't get in my area. Oh, well, fair. Uh, many high riders are keen martial artists employing cunning and stamina over strength as per their condition, as well as bearing a great skill with knives. Most high riders view guns as risky, especially in zero G, preferring knives as a more consistently lethal alternative. Yeah, I can't blame them. I wouldn't really go firing guns around on spaceships either. That just sounds like a way to kill an entire spaceship. So, yeah. Ugh. It's also reminding me of spoiler alert. Um, if you take the ending where V goes up into space. Not the Arasaka space, but like the Mr. Blue Eyes version. Mm -hmm. You like, you grab a gun and start flying towards the big space station up there. I'm like, what are you going to go do? Guns Mm -hmm. in space, not good. That one's like massive, though, right? So I imagine they like, they've probably built it to be, and it's been around a while, so it's probably built pretty damn sturdy. Yeah. And hopefully bulletproof. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we're not going up there to take down the entire space station. That just doesn't seem right. But who knows? Maybe we will get some closure. Yeah. Or an assassination. An assassination of somebody who only lives up in space. Who knows? I hope to get, well, I guess... We're not going to get that answer, I think. Right? They've already declared that no, no, uh... No. Although we're getting a cyberware... Cyberware? Man, that's the next part. Cyberpunk 2, so maybe, you know, we just have to wait another game. Just yeah. Fine. And maybe we'll see Lucy. Cyberware. Let's talk cyberware and how it works up in space. Cyberware designed for use on the surface implicitly benefits from the protection of the Earth's magnetic field, shielded from the radiation and the electromagnetic effects that are common in lower, uh, lower Earth orbit. With surface cyberware, it's estimated that for every week spent in orbit, there is a 10% chance of a serious malfunction. For this reason, most cyberware found among the high riders are specially crafted, shield, shielded cyberware produced in orbital factories. The most common adaptations found in orbit are things like shielded cyber optics for welding, as well as radio technology and reflex or sensory boosters. Which totally makes sense. Stuff that's built on Earth is meant to be used in Earth and isn't necessarily space ready. So yeah. they have to adapt. In orbit, bioware is far more common than cyberware. Research by orbital groups into the efficacy of bioware over cyberware in space gave rise to a large increase in availability in bioware in orbit, meaning it's often also cheaper to acquire in orbit than cyberware. And we touched on bioware a little bit when we talked about the animals a while ago. We might have to revisit that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, even though uh, they are, of course, 
uh, a very like focused and uh, work based society. They still know how to have fun. Um, just not in the typical manner. Uh, so though they reject the typical vices of drugs, alcohol, and cigarettes due to the risks they pose with drugs and alcohol inhibiting, um, you know, certain like bodily and mental functions and then cigarette smoke, uh, being a potential hazard to like air filters and things that they have to have up there. Um, uh, the high, high rider society isn't free from addiction. High riders instead choose highs that are short-lived and high impact, such as rapidly dispersing aerosols like nitrous oxide. Which like correct me. I mean, I, I don't I don't know what it's actually like typically used for like in real life, but like isn't that the stuff that they use in like Fast and Furious to make the cars go faster? That doesn't seem like a good thing to be inhaling. <laughs> No, no, it does not. Uh, more recently, stimulants have assumed the role that depressants fulfill on Earth, encouraging social interaction in group contexts. The most widely spanning addiction in their society, however, are brain dances. These promote an active culture for building gaming simulations and competition between groups. Uh, so a quick little Google search, uh, nitrous oxide is also laughing gas. Like they do that to, uh, like if you go in for like dental surgery or whatever, it's the stuff that they use to not really knock you out, but make you all loopy and funny. Uh, euphoric effects after inhaling it, a disassociative anesthetic. It is also used in rocket propellants and in motor racing. So yeah, it's both, and that's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, but, you know, whatever. I guess you do you. I mean, I also like the fact that they're all gamers. Like, they could have a pretty intense MMO system up there, or... Uh, I could totally see that. It seems like they're not, like, they have, like, different, like, facilitating means for, like, social interaction, as if it's, like, hard or, like, uncomfortable for them. Like, they have, like, but yeah, no, it's like they have, uh, they take drugs to, in like, encourage social interaction, and then they have, like, the you know brain dances and stuff they use for like you know building up gaming uh events well, things so do you think that it could definitely be the fact that these are you know unless you're on a big main orbital station together and we've talked about how they are there are little pockets and little substations and little areas that are farther away to get to um it could be that you do build up social anxiety. I know that from a real world experience, when we were all in COVID lockdown, it made 
uh, you know, obviously we couldn't have any physical interaction with people. So I went to Discord and started having a lot more voice chats and things like that. So it was way easier for me to interact over a computer than it was for me to have physical interaction. But with that also made it when we reassimilated back into the new normal, it was kind of weird and a little bit anxiety inducing to be around people again. So I could totally see if these drugs are available to take the edge off while being around people that you're not used to being around. I could totally see it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess for some people, yeah, it's a different kind of perspective. Cause like, I mean, I, nothing changed for me when COVID happened or whatever. I was already like that before. And I also didn't have any major impacts to like my schedule or my way of life because I work in a grocery store and, um, I still went to work and a grocery store every day and interacted with the same people at work every day. So I never, it, nothing changed for me. Um, and I've always, it's always been easier to interact with people over like discord and stuff. I'd already been doing that for, you know, few years by that point. So eh, not, not much of a difference for me. You're more the, you're the extrovert here. We, we already know that. Yeah. yeah. I was definitely the one who would go out like weekly after work with a, for a drink or a dance, just chilling with my friends. And then that all got very suddenly ripped away. Uh, so I kind of floundered for a little while. And then I found out that people on the internet are cool. I mean, I knew that from an M yeah, I knew it from an MMO standpoint because I was a huge like that was my gaming experience for like ten years was Lord of the Rings Online. Uh, I was a big WoW girl back in the day, so I knew that I could meet people online, but I didn't know how to meet people online without a game an an MMO game attached to it. One of these days, you and I will share a meal together, and we will just laugh the entire time. Hopefully, though, it will not be the type of meal that they have to eat up in space, because this stuff does not sound too appealing. So I'm going to get into their cuisine and what they eat. Over the many years spent adapting to life in space, research has yielded technological advancements that have taken spacefarers from eating freeze-dried fruit to using hydroponics to cultivate crops and rear small aquatic creatures. Not all food needs to be grown in space, but space-bound freight is often unreliable due to the unstable political theater of the surface below. The high rider diet consists of vegetables, seafood, algae, and staples like rice and noodles. Which I have to, totally makes I have to sense. Pause and ask here. Have you had like freeze dried stuff? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. or in, like the way that like the like I know like you go to like a lot of museums and stuff and they have like the gimmicky like freeze dried like ice cream sandwiches or whatever. What did my question is what do you think? Because I always hear people say that they think it's disgusting. So if you are a person who is particular on their textures of their food, like, then it probably will be disgusting because it is a very particular texture and mouthfeel. Um, 
it is almost like it dissolves very quickly like cotton candy but it's also crunchy so but the flavor is was pretty much exactly the same to me i remember um the first one that popped into my head when you and especially because you said ice cream um that is one of the ones that i had and i had it was a neapolitan so it had the chocolate the strawberry and the vanilla and i could very clearly taste all three flavors um and so i liked it yeah i think i've had a freeze-dried like cookies and cream ice cream sandwich before mm. um which i yeah i liked it and then like i actually do i s- still eat them actually fairly often or whatever my workplace sells freeze-dried like different types of freeze-dried fruit mm-hmm. um i usually get like freeze-dried strawberries and i'll eat those like a little snack and yeah. i honestly just like actually enjoy them i ha- i just realized that i have those all the freaking time i have one that uh i get at my little grocery store down the road um it's a mixture of mango and strawberry and it's so good Whenever I see it, I pick it up. Yeah. Another tangent, I know, but I had to ask. I was curious. Yeah. Well, it's a relevant tangent, so we'll keep... (laughs) Unlike WoW Girls. Uh... Unlike WoW Girls. Uh, Logistically, eating is space is difficult due to the lack of gravity. Yeah, well, duh. (laughs) To account for this, many dishes are mixed with thick sticky sauces designed to make most meals somewhat amorphous and stop debris from floating into ducts and electronics. These sauces draw on the Asian and African heritages of high rider society and are often strongly spiced. And I bet you there's a secondary reason for that because like they say that whenever you are flying, the reason that airplane food tastes like shit is because your taste buds don't work the same um, when you're in higher elevations. And so being in space is the highest elevation that you can freaking possibly get. And so obviously your taste buds are going to be different. Um, it's why soda doesn't taste the same on the plane and why... Uh, people add so much extra salt and pepper to the food that they eat on the plane is because otherwise you wouldn't be able to taste it. So being up in space, using a lot stronger spices totally makes sense. Trying to remember back when I was 15, I can't do it. So Mm. it's the only time I've been on a plane. So I don't, I don't know. Oh, I've traveled a lot. Airport or airplane peanuts are so damn salty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why you should eat them on the plane instead of on the ground, because they're not going to taste as good. They're going to taste way over-salted. I've eaten them on the ground before. Yeah. I still enjoyed them, but that's because I like a lot of salt. Same! Gotta help, gotta help uh, keep this salty attitude. So. Yeah. I just like salt. I'm a big garlic salt girl. Oof. Despite the technological advances in food, there remain places with no access to fresh produce, such as isolated construction projects. In such places, processed food paste tubes remain very much the only option. 
Most readily available processed food is packaged in microwavable vacuum bags at factories within the Earth's orbital O'Neill stations. Interestingly, drinks also come in vacuum packaging with a built-in straw or emergency induction port. (laughs) Coffee, for example, comes with an inbuilt squeezable section for milk and sugar. The only drinks not found in orbit, except for the Crystal Palace, are carbonated drinks due to their inherent propellant propellant capabilities in zero-g. Alright, last food tangent. How do you take your coffee? Oh, that's right. No, you don't like coffee. You prefer tea. I do prefer tea. I'll still drink coffee, but I do prefer tea. And I do just creamer generally depending on where i'm at like because i get like flavored creamers so you don't really need to add sugar because there's plenty of sugar in it so it's not a big deal or whatever yeah and like i mean my favorite one and like people can you know people can judge if you want i'm not a big coffee dude so you know i don't care about all that stuff but um um they have a cinnamon toast crunch coffee creamer i'm pretty sure that's uh might be the best thing in the world so because i mean uh. it's basically just the milk after you've eaten the cereal. And I mean, that's the best part of a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. Honestly, this shit, shit slaps. Yep. So, so I do that generally. If I'm at like a restaurant or something and all they have is like kind of plain creamer, then I will add a little bit of sugar in order to like balance it out. But yeah. So. Uh, my first cup of the morning, straight black. I don't add anything to it. I like just, good black dark coffee and i'm a dark roast person i'm a little bit of a good coffee snob uh but i believe that comes with portland <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not a coffee snob but I, I mean i barely started drinking coffee what like a few years ago honestly mm. i was i had just never had it before and i, was, I don't really like it i was just kind of like it eh, kind of warmed up to it you know so but yeah i'm not a coffee snob at all uh, all right. So, I, I was actually going to, but before that, I was actually going to say on that specifically that note there is that I think like we did kind of see an example of this in, um, in Edge Runners whenever they're doing the Moon BD or whatever, uh, with the uh, the drink that they were kind of passing around. Although I think that that one it was in particular a carbonated one. It was like a weird because he David didn't like it and he just didn't like carbonated beverages. It was like a weird thing. It was like gravity free bubbles or something like that. Oh, so, like I think that's what the thing of it said. It was like with gravity free bubbles and it was like it was like kind of like a weird thing. But he still hated it because it was carbonated. And then, of course, like the food paste tubes, we see those all the time in 2077. Oh yeah, you see those as regular, yeah, just the, as the regular stuff, and you just eat a tube of paste. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have stuff like that, uh, like nowadays that a lot of people consume. As far as like whenever it comes to like, um, like long athletic stints or whatever. Uh-huh. Like my grandpa used to do. There's, uh, there's an event in Texas every year called the Texas Water Safari, which is a, um, a canoe race mm-hmm. from. San Antonio to Port O'Connor, 
Uh, I can't remember how the distance is, but it's like it's like a multiple like they take it takes them like a week to do this trek, depending on on, on whatever. Um, and a lot of times instead of like actual food and stuff like they do still pack some, but they have like high electrolyte like paste that they consume because it is um, it gives you all the nutrients you need and it gives you a like uh a high level of like electrolytes that you need in order to complete the race. Because if you don't, you die. Yeah. There have been people that died on this thing because they like, didn't give themselves the proper amount of electrolytes that they needed for this. So uh, they didn't. And then they died on the race because they didn't work properly nourished for it. So, yeah. But, yeah. but it's essentially just a bag. They, I think my grandpa just calls it like the, the slime bag. It's just uh-huh. a bag with just like goo. Or it's a goo bag, that's right. So I'm trying to think if I've had anything like that. I mean I've had it in candy form. I'm actually just thinking about like there used to be like little jellies and stuff like that that you could squeeze out of a tube. I'm just like the only thing I can think that's close enough for me is what, like gogurt? Oh yeah. That'd be about it, I think. It's just just I yogurt just... in a tube. Yeah. <laughs> But now we'll move on to politics. Uh, modern High Riders maintain a central government known as the High Rider Confederation. This government was formed as a result of the Declaration of Independence made in 2022 following the Seven Hour War, leading to the assumption of control of both, o- of both O'Neill orbitals and lunar cities Tycho and Copernicus. During the time of the Red, the Confederation acted as a distant protector of their groundside relatives in Africa, leading indirectly to the unprecedented technological developments of several major cities and African society in general. Aside from this, the High Rider Confederation deploys cautious neutrality towards all nations, corporations, and conflicts. Yeah. See, they're maintaining perfect neutrality here, essentially. And they don't have to automate 100% of their military to do it. No. No, they do not. They just have to own all the satellite lasers. Yeah. Which is fine. Honestly, I don't know. They seem like they're doing a good job with them. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if Rogue's contact that took out the satellite so that way we could get to Mikoshi uh, considers themselves a high rider. Maybe. Yeah, actually. That makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I'm thinking about it. It'd be cool to see more of these guys, though. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely know that that's what Turbo wants to see. <laughs> Turbo oh really? Wants, yeah, Turbo wants the next game to be a lot more space involved. Yeah, I think a lot of people because I mean, there's this uh, this whole unique aspect to it. I mean, this is one of the coolest like nations. I mean, I was they're essentially a nation, like the nations that we've read about. You know, everyone else is over here like fucking everything up. High riders are just like killing it in space. Yeah. It would definitely be interesting to live up there. I feel like I could fit into this lifestyle. 
you know, having social interaction when when it's available, either through gaming or through um, stuff like that. Uh, the combat skills, I definitely feel more comfortable with a ranged weapon, but uh, knives I could maybe get into. Uh, Bioware instead of cyberware. Yeah. Especially if more... the cyber isn't going to work as well up in space. Yeah, and Bioware, I think, is less hazardous potential as far as, like, you know, cyberpsychosis and whatnot. Right. Oh, God. Can you imagine someone going cyberpsycho in one of these, like, places? Oh. Oh. That'd be bad news. Yeah. Big bad news if a psycho hit space. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, imagine Cyber Psycho just, like, if somebody goes Cyber Psycho working on one of those, like, sat lasers, like, just orbital strikes the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. And then I wonder if that's also, like, how they, you know, they would very much limit the amount of cyberware a person could have coming onto one of those stations. Um, Probably. Because I mean, of that possibility. It seems like in order to, like, do it, you have to, like, get your stuff installed up there or, like, mm-hmm. replaced with actual stuff that works. And it sounds like they're rare enough to where it probably isn't even, like, like the potential of getting enough cyberware to have that problem seems like it probably doesn't exist. Yeah. So, hmm. they do seem like they kind of have like I mean they're high highly technological, uh, like nation as well. So I'm sure they have plenty of means of like dealing with that. So, I think I would miss food though. I would. I I am a foodie. I love to eat. I love soup. I love liquid. (laughs) So I don't know if I could actually live up there. I could travel and stay up there for a while, but I'd want to come back home. So you're a vacation space kind of person? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Alright, well, I think that does it for tonight. Uh, unless you have anything else about Africa or the High Riders that you want to talk about. I don't think I do. Yeah. Other than I would love to see more in either upcoming TTRPG info or, you know, uh, in the next game. I don't think that we're going to get anything out of Africa. Or High Riders in Phantom Liberty. I don't see that yeah, really fitting in. Um, hopefully, we will learn more at some point. Uh, so, that leaves it up to you guys now. So, come give us a follow on Twitter at Cyberpunk Lore. Come find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cyberpunklorecast. Episodes come out every Cyber Sunday. Uh, and thanks for following along for the puns and bad jokes. We appreciate it. 
If you like those things, you can also find me on Two Girls, One Ship, where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. Where can they uh, find you? And you can find me uh, doing the Witcher Lorecast on Monday nights. At... I, I keep trying to say a time and then I realize that we kind of don't have a set time anymore. My bad. Uh, <laughs> um, but those episodes do come out uh on wednesdays um if you like the witcher or um if you're listening to this you probably like cyberpunk uh so check out the uh cyberpunk red live play podcast i do with the almighty brit and fumbling four gang cyberpunk cyberpunk apostrophe d that's about it for me all right and of course a Big shout out and huge thank you to Miracle of Sound, uh, who just recently released a song about God of War. And it sounds really good. Ooh, which one is it? Or did they make oh yeah, they make their own one, right? Yeah. Uh I think it's based off of uh Ragnarok, obviously. Um so it's uh really hard hitting and just kind of like raw. It's good. Yeah. Rawr. Yeah. Rawr. Miracle of Sound. Go check out his RARs. They are way better than mine. And while you're out there... Stay safe in Night City. Or space. Stay safe in the Crystal Palace? Well, do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue, and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.